Well, hello there, everybody out in podcasting world, listening pleasure people who love Star Wars. We are doing a uh, disco Star Wars presentation. Not true. Actually, we are going to be talking about uh, the Force Awakens uh, that is awakening in all of us. Uh, speculations and everything like that, so uh, that is my disclaimer. We don't know shit about shit. Uh, obviously, this is all just stuff that we're making up in our own brain that we're being influenced by other people, but there might be some spoilery if you have not seen uh, the original trilogy, um, or even if you don't want to hear anything about the new Force Awakens. Uh, it, you know, well, listen to it anyways, because maybe you might learn something. Um, but that's what I have so far. I am your host, Adam Rutkowski, uh, I, and along with two other cohort hosts. Uh, to my left, I have Joshua T. Ruth. Yeah. I brought my uh, my mirror ball Death Star today. Nice. So I'm glad that we got the disco thing going on. Oh, yeah. And to my right, Mark Dobler. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? Hey, 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 indeed. So, with that being said, I want to know, as the music fades out, yes, thank you, R2-D2. Bye-bye. Uh, I want to know your favorite Star Wars memory or your earliest Star Wars memory, either good or bad. I don't know. Maybe something just for people to chew on. Uh, Joshua? Um, I don't know. There's probably separate ones. I guess my uh, we'll go with earliest first. I mean, actually... It's one of the earliest things that I can remember in general was um, seeing, I don't know, they had this poster for, it was a double feature of both, uh, you know, Star Wars, A New Hope, as uh, I don't even know if it was called that back then, but, uh, and Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm previous to the release of uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, So, you know, and I I don't know, I was a little kid, you know, I was probably at the time five years old, um, but I remember there was like this poster and it had both the Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back one. They were doing a big double feature. Yeah. Um, And I was like, oh, that that looks rad. Um, And I don't actually remember seeing those movies uh, in the theaters, but I do very much remember seeing Return of the Jedi Mm -hmm. Um, and specifically the whole job palace thing and and that just really stuck in my head just all those crazy creatures and Jabba just eating the frogs and you know as a five-year-old kid I was like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen yeah uh, but really yeah Return of the Jedi is the first one I can remember actually seeing mm-hmm. um, and then I you know revisited the other ones later on um, but seeing that poster is one of my earliest Star Wars memories mm-hmm. and then followed up by that and then um I don't know. As far as best Star Wars memories, like it, it's strange, but Phantom Menace, like um, it was certainly not the movie itself, but the whole lead up to it, you know, just uh, back in 99 and getting super excited and going to, I think it was Taco Bell and getting all of the cups with the toppers on them oh, yeah. and uh, going to Toys R Us at midnight and getting my Jar Jar Binks toy and being excited about it. And uh, just all of us uh, lining up, you know, we did this thing where we had uh, 
We got there at like eight o'clock in the morning. We got inflatable furniture. We had a television <laughs> set up. Um, we had a Nintendo 64 with Mario Kart 64. And, you know, we were just all just chilling there in line all yeah, day the, long. The, ex- the whole experience. Yeah, there. yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's that's something you don't get a whole lot of lately. Um, right. You know, so I'm, I'm excited to go back to it for Force Awakens. But yeah, you know, everything leading up to the moment where, you know, the, the credits crawl ended you know it was pretty much just like just pure nirvana yeah yeah mark oh my first experience with star wars i was probably about six Uh, i remember seeing the commercial on tv and running to my mom and dad begging them to take me on opening day Mm -hmm. and we went to Seneca Capri do you remember that around Camelback oh god yes I think was that before your time that was before my time oh Seneca Capri is where it was at Seneca Capri was uh, one of the largest movie screens in Arizona it's bigger than even IMAX I think yeah 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 Um, and yeah we went opening day um, extremely hot outside (laughs) and just waiting and waiting the line just wrapped around the building and down the block around a few other stores and that was the now was this the original star wars the original star wars new hope i'm so envious of that (laughs) and um it was me and my uh childhood best friend uh matt and of course my dad didn't want to go he didn't want to wait in line smart guy but (laughs) um, i remember going in there and yeah we didn't get any drinks popcorn we just wanted to sit down and start watching the movie and well, you know, little kids, our bladders aren't that big. And <laughs> we didn't want to move. I mean, just first seeing the opening credits. Right. And then hearing the Star Wars music, and then all of a sudden Darth Vader comes out. I mean, it was the best. Exp- it's memorable because Darth Vader is such a big, iconic figure now. Mm-hmm. And with Star Wars The Force Awakens coming out, I think Kylo Ren's going to be the new Darth Vader. We'll see. We'll Darth see. Vader. Yeah. So, th- th- because you come from a little, well, well, for me, I was like maybe about four or five years old, but I don't remember the first going to see the first Star Wars movie, uh, New Hope. Um, my dad says, you know, that he 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 took us, and you know, and I wouldn't stop talking about it ever since. But you have memories of it. Oh yeah. Now. What I don't, re- you know, I don't remember any of that time. I'm more like you, Joshua, where, um, who's going on? Doesn't matter. Um, where, uh, I remember Return of the Jedi more than I remember any of the other films. Yeah. Going to see it in the theater. Um, cause it was such a, cause I, I cried like all night to say, I just, I want to go, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, don't let me go to school cause everyone's going to ruin it or I want to see it before everybody else. Whatever the excuse was, uh, that's my most vivid memory. But and, and go back to you, Mark. The the um, the hype before a New Hope, because obviously by the time that I the, the recollections that I have, those movies already existed, so I was already hyped up for Return of the Jedi. Um, what was kind of the marketing campaign before a New Hope to get like everybody excited about it? Do you remember any of that, like TV spots or? Um. Because they didn't really I, have any merchandise they, no, until like really, the, that Christmas, right? They is really where they were didn't trying to get the figures up. A whole lot. Um, it was just the commercials, the trailers that they were kept showing over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I remember a couple movie theaters having just these black posters that had, you know, like the universe behind it and just like the opening credits, it was yellow lettering mm-hmm. kind of shaped like a pyramid right. saying, you know, coming from a galaxy far, far away, right. that was it. So you were like, okay, anything else? And then they came out with the Star Wars posters. Yeah. Um, and then you saw the trailers. But yeah, as far as marketing, um, yeah, it was not until probably a few months later, you know, around the yeah. holidays, they came out with all the figures and we all ran out to get them and right. start playing with them. And yeah, You kind of had to figure, I mean, you know, obviously you were pretty young back then too, um, you know, but I don't know, you kind of got to figure it would have been hard to parse out Star Wars from all of the other kind of schlocky sci-fi that was probably yeah. coming out of the 70s, right? Yeah. You know, so that's where I am really interested about the hype. You know, I almost think that kind of just from what I've heard is that it was a hype that built after that movie kind of came out because it was like word of mouth of holy crap, this thing's amazing. But at the same time, you know, I've seen the pictures of people there on opening day lining up around the building. So that Mm -hmm. hype had to have been there, right? right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it was just the previews were really wowing people or something like that. Or I don't know. Uh, You know, I don't know if American graffiti was like a big draw for people like, Oh, it's the guy who did American graffiti, but maybe it was. I mean, I know that was a really big movie. Right. Um, But yeah, yeah, I mean, I am interested in that kind of where that hype train was. Yeah, because the only thing you really had for sci-fi before that was like 2001. Sure. Which was almost like a decade before. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, you had certain things. I mean, you had your, your Logan's Run, you had your Silent Runnings, you know, you had your, you know, things like that, you know, from the 70s, uh, you know, but certainly nothing on the scale of Star Wars, that's yeah. for sure, you yeah, know. Not on the adventure yeah, but that is interesting to try and think of a world before Star Wars because for me, you know, I mean, I was, I was born in December of '77, so I've literally never lived in a world without Star Wars. And I was you born know? in December '70, right? So, yeah. <laughs> well, don't forget, Harrison Ford was also an American Graffiti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think people probably got the hype from that, but also as a kid and back then being only six, right? It's not like I grabbed the newspaper and read the paper, so they could have had. Tons of articles or already started doing some hype that way. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess the equivalent would be like, well, now it's like you can't imagine a world without a smartphone. Yeah. You know, some kids just don't know. Or like you you, you see those things online where uh, the kids are trying to figure out how to use a Walkman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you just kind of laugh at that, you know, because that that was our world. You know, what did we do before the Internet? You know, that's like the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> we wrote a letter or made a Star phone call. Yeah, right? What <laughs> no, are those we things? We had great arguments, you know? We had, like, oh, you know, because sure. like, you couldn't just immediately Google something and see who was right about something. So, yeah. you you know, you'd have, like, these 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 debates and be like, no, no, I'm definitely right. You know, what are you going to do? Go grab <laughs> an encyclopedia? You're so wrong, I'm going to befriend you and take you off, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, that that was a very nice little, little memory. Walk down memory lane. Um it should probably get into a little bit about, I mean, we know that we love four, five, and six. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that, for me, where I was kind of trigger shy last year when we saw the first teaser trailer, I, I didn't get, I really, really didn't get all that excited about it initially, hmm. even though I had to watch it like a billion times, even though we went to the Cine Capri. Um, what well the reincarnation of the Cine Capri, um, 
at Tempe Marketplace to see, I think we saw Mockingjay Part 1, and they were showing the uh, Star Wars teaser before that, and they came out and they made like a big deal out of it. Um, but everybody was, it seemed like everybody in the audience was a little bit gun-shy too, because I remember seeing that Phantom Menace teaser trailer mm. Back in the day, and going, this is the most awesome thing I've ever seen. Did in you my go life. see uh, Meet Joe Black just to see it? No, I did not. Yeah, because that—that's what we did. Because they had, uh, they were showing it, they were premiering it in the theaters. Because, yeah, this was not before the internet, but right. it, it was not easily accessible on the internet. I don't believe they even really released it until a couple of days after that. Yeah, and even then, it literally took like a day to download oh, yeah. it in like no, a I tiny little window. Yeah, a little um, postage stamp. Basically. Yeah, but that was the big thing is because they were, you know, Fox was trying to promote Meet Joe Black. Right. Um, so they said, well, if you go and see this specific movie, there's going to be a trailer for Phantom Menace before. And so we did that yeah. and went to go see Meet Joe Black. And a lot of people actually went left. there and then left. Right. I I wish I would have because that was a tremendously <laughs> boring film. Um, but uh, but yeah yeah totally. Yeah, well, you no. kind of just wish like every ten minutes they just go back and show the trailer again right. as you're watching Meet Joe Black. Yeah. But uh, I mean, what what do you think about? I mean, were you excited about the the Phantom Menace ex- trailer? Oh, yeah, or <laughs> yeah. I was excited for a new Star Wars to come out. Okay. Um, just growing up being a big fan of Star Wars. Um. And it being so many years, everybody thought that he wasn't going to do anymore. Oh yeah, no, he's vehemently upset. He said many times that he's going to when he's going to die with the franchise, and then even when he's dead, he's not going to allow anybody to touch it. Yeah. And so, yeah, when they announced that Episode One, Phantom Menace is coming out, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, great, 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 great! You know, all excited, and you know the yeah. way movies progressed over the generations and. I was super excited about so many aspects of it. I mean, I was already at that age. I mean, in 99, I guess I was, what, my early 20s, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, I was very much already into film and everything at that oh, time. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, so for me, I was like, Ewan McGregor, you know, the, the guy from Train Spotting is going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, you know, Natalie Portman, the girl from Leon the Professional, <laughs> is going to be in it. I mean, you know, I was like, looked at the cast and, of course, Liam Neeson. I mean, I saw all these people who... You know, I think a lot of people didn't. Re- these were not household names to these people, but for me, it was already a you know oh, yeah. a cinemaphile, mm-hmm. uh, cinephile. I was like, yeah, no, this is going to be an amazing movie, and it's directed by George Lucas. And at the time, um, A New Hope was my favorite movie. Now I've definitely come to see the light over time, and it's obviously Empire Strikes Back. I mean, but as a kid, I always thought Empire Strikes Back was super boring. I was like, oh, this movie's so boring. <laughs> oh yeah. God, this is the so depressing. Just drags on. Yeah. Yeah, but but now it's the one that I just I will go back to over and over and over again because like just the direction and the look of that film is just so incredible. And when you see kind of what was done from four to five mm-hmm. and just in terms of making it not just like a sci-fi movie, but like a real film, you know, just just with beautiful uh, cinematography and just like everything about it. But so for me at the time, that was still probably during the time when Star Wars was my favorite. And mm-hmm. so I was like, George Lucas has directed Star Wars. George Lucas is directing this one. Um, this is going to go right back to everything amazing. And I don't think any of us 
could have possibly prepared ourselves for what we ended up getting with Phantom Menace, right? Mm -hmm. Because we, when did we ever really get an indication that George Lucas had kind of lost it? You know, I mean, realistically, right? I mean, even the stuff he did post Star Wars, like, you know, the, I mean, arguably, uh, the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, you know, obviously, that was before Star Wars ended, but Temple of Doom, you know, he didn't have a ton to do with those. He kind of did the story, right. you know, but yeah. but Willow, I loved Willow. Mm-hmm. You know, I was all about Willow. So I was like, this guy is just magic. Everything he touches is magic. This thing's going to be amazing. So, yeah, I went in there with the highest of expectations. Yeah. Um, Were you disappointed at all when you finally saw The Phantom Menace? Very much, yeah. I was very disappointed. Um, I think a know. lot of people were. Yeah, I think a, a lot of us, like, kind of, and I, I, I think this is pretty ubiquitous is that people kind of were in denial a little bit it's like we came out of it and we were super hype and we're like yeah that was amazing but we all had this kind of look in our eyes like yeah but it kind of wasn't you yeah know? that's a good way to put it because yeah. i was i was gonna say i was a little bit confused by it yeah i was like why didn't what you know yeah it was like a denial i was like why don't i like this more than i i should yeah yeah, yeah. for me the most uh striking part was seeing uh, you know, Lucasfilm, you know, a long time going to Galaxy Far, Far Away, you know, Star Wars, and then start seeing the scroll. Yeah. At that's when like all the blood was like rushing oh, through yeah. my body and goosebumps everywhere. And I said, All right, you know what? At this point, I don't even have to watch the rest of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that just to see that on the big screen again. Yeah, totally. Oh man. Well I think it was uh is that that movie Fanboys? Um, oh, you know? great movie! Yeah, totally. But great doesn't movie. that movie like end like right as the movie yeah. is starting yep. and they're they're about to watch it? You know, and I was yeah. like, that that really is an appropriate yeah, way that to do it. Yeah, really well. exactly. Because that that was the end of the dream. You know, I mean, even really when the the <laughs> the opening the crawl starts up, like it's like trade federation this and blah 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 and you're like what it, it just doesn't what, what is going on i still think the pod race scene is awesome oh yeah movie. no that's beautiful you know, i yeah, love that's that really scene. Cool. yeah there's certain aspects of that movie that were well done and great yeah but there are one character in particular that i thought was useless and yeah. could do without was jar jar binks yeah yeah i he, mean he who he who should not be named yeah, yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> uh I always thought, and, and, you know, there's different things on the internet ever since then, you know, where people have uh, taken the first three and just kind of cropped it down to, like, one movie, like a three-hour movie. Uh Um, And I kind of think that's how it should have been. It's it's almost the the same kind of uh, approach that... Uh, Peter Jackson did with The Hobbit. Right. Not the Lord of the Rings stuff, but sure. with The Hobbit stuff, it didn't have to be three Agreed. films. Um, and I think with like The Phantom Menace, it was kind of a nice setup, but they could have kind of just uh, cut it down a bit. Yeah. You know, the, the Trade Federation stuff, all the politics behind it was a little bit heavy. For someone that says these, mov- these movies are for kids uh, and... and yeah young people i don't think they really understand the well, politics you one know, word kinda, midi-chlorians yeah, yeah and that that was really <laughs> yeah. disappointing i mean too. ridiculous and when i saw the movie and yeah in the beginning the trade federation coming out as soon as they opened up their mouths yeah i'm sorry they reminded me of chinese people well that was exactly it it was it was uh, you know the this kind of veiled 
you know, not not thinly veiled kind of, you know, racist undertone thing. And I was like, yeah, no, this is this is a little disturbing. Even Jar Jar Binks himself, you know, that the whole thing was just kind of left you scratching your Mm -hmm. head. And what what the heck is going on? Um, I do believe I was I, I will say this. I was a little prepared for Phantom Menace because of how much I did not like at all the changes that he did with the special editions. Right. You know, when I, I went was going to ask yeah, you about that. Yeah, when I went, to, speaking of the Seneca Pre, I mean, you know, I saw all three of those as they premiered when in the Seneca Pre. did Capri. the THX specials and added the extra yeah. footage and CGI that part, Jabba the Hutt. And well, and you remember, because, I mean, I'm sure you're probably intimately familiar with how many different versions that he has done, even since the special edition. Like, right. every time he re-releases it, he goes in and he tinkers more and more with it. Um, and that original Jabba the Hutt, I mean, if you've gone back and looked at footage of that compared to, it still looks terrible on the most recent release, which is the Blu-ray release, but it looked so bad in 97. Oh, yeah. Um, and Very and I remember seeing that and just being like, this is terrible. And I remember seeing the, you know, I, Empire is the only one that I don't mind the changes in because it's basically just like making Cloud City look a little bit better, things like that. I mean, right. it's all kind of aesthetic. But um, but yeah, the, you know, getting rid of the the song, the song that they added in, in, um, in uh, Return of the Jedi, just all those changes. I was like already kind of on that road to being disappointed with George Lucas. Sure. So I think part of me was a little bit prepared for you know that it wasn't going to be everything i hoped it would mm-hmm. um but i, well, I think i mean you know, I, I that's that's okay you know as you say it's art is never f- finished it's only abandoned right but if he just would allowed to have okay fine you know these special editions but then keep the original ones that you know for sale yeah and just and let us choose right because after a while it's not his it's not so much his thing anymore yeah when we had uh when cult following had uh brian polito here mm-hmm. he made a really good point because he's you know he has this character lady death right that has been his life yep. for you know i don't know how many what uh, like 15 20 years now a long time yeah um, i mean i had a lady death poster in my room in high school yeah so, <laughs> you know? it, so, so yeah, it's yeah, even it's been, been longer that uh he said that when when he sits down and he he writes anything for lady death he's not struggling anymore it's like taking on its its own life right so he's not the the universe and the the character itself doesn't necessarily belong to him anymore even though he owns yeah. all the rights and everything it just kind of pours through lady death to the back of his head and you know, right onto the page. Yeah. He doesn't even have to think about it anymore. So he looks at it as he's not doing anything anymore. It's Lady Death is directing his work, right? Um, and I and I think you know, with Star Wars, it it should be fluid like that as well. I'm glad that J.J. Abrams has taken over because he's always said that he's a huge Star Wars fan. Oh, I love J.J. Abrams, and especially what he did with the new Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was brilliant, but I saw an ad or a thing on TV um, when they were interviewing him. One thing that I'm liking about the new Star Wars Force Awakens coming out and seeing all these new trailers coming out, and I don't know if you saw the new trailer that came out on Thanksgiving. No. There's now a third trailer. That's really? added some extra stuff, mm-hmm. and if you listen to some of it, it's speculating on who's who or what's mm, really what's happening. Interesting. Um, I'll have to pull it up for you. But um, getting back to J.J. Abrams, um, 
one thing that he said that I really liked and think that he's brilliant for the job is he likes to keep things as real as possible. If he can build the sets and he can make it real, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he'll do it. He's not really big into CGI. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Lucas messed up with their originals because, I'm sorry, I still like the original episode four, five, and six when I was a kid. And those are the movies that I want to see. Yeah. And the only way to see them now is if you have VHS or an old laser disc player. I don't know if you remember right. those, but <laughs> yeah. And that's the only way. But then I was told, you know, just a few days ago that Disney was talking about maybe redoing. Well, of course they will. The original movies without any added stuff. It's a way to make more money. Disney's going to do it. Um, I hope they do. And and Disney's good about serving fans. They Mm -hmm. they really are. I mean, oh look what they do with this franchise now. Yeah, absolutely. And look what they've done with the MCU. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm I'm very pro Disney, but I've kind of always been pro Disney. I've always liked Disney, even when it was not cool to like Disney. (laughs) Um, You know, like I, I, you know, I I think that they're great. Um, But you know, look, when it comes down to releasing the original the the biggest crime to me isn't even so much for archival sake right i mean just to be able to have it to be able to see it for the nostalgia all of that's important but to me it's so disrespectful to all of the people that did so much work on those films originally oh yeah no that's a good point you know? yeah absolutely they, they you know they, these people were creating cutting edge special effects at the time mm-hmm. that they won an academy award for and george lucas basically made this unilateral decision of well no that's in the past now right. we don't need that anymore and he just erased all of these people's hard work and you know fine put out a different version give people a chance to watch the new one that you want to do that's fine but don't disrespect all those people that put in that hard work it's it's just not cool at all and on top of the fact that you know you for the people that have nostalgia for the original versions you know that's a big deal and and i mean I I do have nostalgia for it, but honestly, like I can't even remember the last time I saw the non-special edition. Right. You know, '97 is really kind of my freshest memory of Star Wars. I mean, I remember watching them on. Uh, I can't remember what you call them. They were like laser discs, but they were in those big square um, plastic things. Right. You know what I'm yeah, talking about? Yeah, because they were they were light sensitive. It predated right. the. Laser disc. Laser disc. Yeah, yeah and so you'd right put those that. in the machine. And I remember I used to go over to one of my mom's friend's house, and she had uh, all three of the movies on those big things, um, and we used to watch them all the time. And basically know? the people that had those, that's all they bought it for was just to have the Star Wars yeah. trilogy. There really wasn't much because it didn't last very long. Yeah, there was the Star the Wars trilogy and Grease they yeah, had. Right. Yeah, that, that was about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we watched those ones over and the over. the Laser didn't last long because if you accidentally dropped it, oh, yeah. uh, that was it well they were just so expensive i think the last time i saw just the original untouched versions were when it was on vhs yeah Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I remember loving them back then. Uh, but you know, talking about J.J. Abrams, I mean, I will say this. Um, I, I, my expectations are through the roof for Force Awakens. I mean, and they, they have been since the beginning. Um, you know, from the first preview, like you held yourself back a little bit, Adam, but oh, um, yeah. I definitely did not. You know, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm all about this. This is great. But J.J. Abrams does give me a bit of pause. I think that he's the right person to do this because he's got a very mm, audience-friendly 
touch. You know, mm-hmm. I think that he knows a way, you know, he made Star Trek cool again. You know, to me, a lifetime Trekkie, I'm, Star Trek's always been cool, you know, right. <laughs> you know like whatever. Who cares? I love Star Trek, you know, I mean, you know, whatever. Call me a nerd. I love Star Trek. Yeah. But he made Star Trek cool. Yeah. You know, he made Star Trek where it's like, okay, you know, now people feel okay saying that they like Star Trek, you know, normies, you know, like right, you know, yeah. people that are not on the counterculture um, or the geek culture or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely think that he's the right person, but it does worry me because I think that J.J. Abrams, he wants so much to be a Spielberg, but he just, I don't think he truly understands what makes a lot of these movies special. The the biggest thing to me is um, Super 8. You sure. know, Super 8, I was really, really disappointed with, like yeah. severely disappointed um, because, you know, for me, I mean, anybody that knows me knows that I am a huge fan of 80s cinema. You know, mm-hmm. I love not just 80s cinema, but 80s escapist cinema, you know, the Amblin thing. Um, and that is exactly what J.J. Abrams was trying to ape when he did oh, Super yeah. 8. Yeah. Um, and I just think he gets close, but he doesn't quite get it. You know, he just, he's like, he knows the right moments to hit and he knows how to do the Spielberg stare and, you know, right. uh, and, and, uh, you know, he knows how to have the lens flares and he, and he knows all the pieces to put there, but he's just kind of missing this, this essential thing to understanding what the true magic of those eighties films were, or maybe he understands it, but he can't, he can't replicate it. But right. I think there's a lot of producers and directors out there that start off the same way they don't quite get it right and you have to make enough movies and get enough criticism and i think that's it is you know you get some of these people who get so high and mighty right and don't want to take the criticism or you know don't want to use it to grow on Mm -hmm. to give the fans what they want but what do you feel about lucas helping abrams with this first movie is he yes oh is he oh no he yeah. was he was supposed to be given a little insight on well what I the heard, direction of the movie or what I read straight well from his mouth is that they brought him in initially and he had an outline how he wanted seven eight and nine and they changed it so much that he basically gave him the finger and said you guys just do oh your I own did thing. not read that I, the yeah, only I thing I knew is that they were not going to use J J Abrams on the next two Star Wars movies they right. were going to pick right yeah he's two different people they he's are. like an executive producer he's producing uh, eight and nine right but they're yeah they're getting different directors yeah well, he chose now, not to he what do you think about getting it's like don't you think that's like too many hands in the cookie jar that it's gonna start being like episode one, two, and three? No, but I because know, I don't think so. Because I think about episode five. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is right. that is that you know it's a, a you know okay you you obviously four was great. I mean, I love I love a New Hope. It's a tremendous film. Okay, but it took. Irving Kirshner coming in, mm-hmm. right? You know, to really say, okay, now what you have is good, but we're going to turn this into something more. And I do truly believe that without that step up of what Empire Strikes Back brought to it, you know, that it wouldn't be the phenomenon that it is right now. Mm-hmm. It's that it came back and didn't just deliver, but it exceeded right. the first film, yeah. you know, in every way. And it's just a beautiful film to look at. And there were things that, you know, I think about George Lucas as a director, he would probably never have thought of having Darth Vader in silhouette with a red lightsaber as the only light. Oh, I got goosebumps. You That's know? Just a, such a great. Right. 
right. image. Yeah, exactly. You know, but that's something that takes a real filmmaker to do. So when I think about too many cooks in the kitchen, I think that's a good thing. I think that's what film is. You know, film is such a collaborative effort. And that's why I again, I I think that episode seven is going to be fantastic. I really think it is. But I think it's going to be just not quite there. I mm-hmm. think it's going to be really good. But there's going to be something that's going to be kind of missing that we're not going to know until yeah. we see episode eight. Um, what? Yeah. So when we see episode eight, um, essentially, uh, that that's um, that's something. But what do we got? No, I know. I mean, well, he's showing me that. The, oh, right. The writing credits for... Um, yeah. What, what is that? What do you? Which? Uh, they have the screenwriters down as J.J. Abrams, George Lucas, and Lawrence Kasdan. I'm looking. They're giving the production George... companies as well as Lucas Films. Yeah, but Bad Robot Productions and Walt Disney Pictures. They, from from what I I read is that they're giving him credit for the characters. Right. They're giving him certain amount of like writing credit, but. Lucas said that they were straying so much from what his original idea was and what he wanted to do that he said, I don't want anything to do with this. You guys just do um, well, I know what you want to do. Well, I know there's been a huge thing as of a few years ago when <clears throat> it was announced that Disney was buying the rights to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I think they sold it for what, $3.8 billion? Uh, I, think it was, like I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was yeah. like close to $6 billion. I think it was like three point eight. Anyways, once you get to the billions, it's all just kind of right. yeah. It's, it's not like Lucas really needs the money. I mean, he owns right. you know Lucas well, he Studios. All of it. He yeah. owns THX. He owns Industrial Light and Magic here sure. in America and the UK, um, and they do a lot of other movies. Um, but the thing is, no one. I I guess my thing is. How much does Disney really have control over the Star Wars franchise, or how much do they really actually own, or what was actually in the contracts? Well, I think they I don't own think everything. Anybody really knows. I, you know, I think they own everything. I mean, I, I think, think that so, they yeah. they pretty much sold it all. You know, um, and that's that's, you know, and I think that's a good thing. But really, I think Disney is smart enough to put the right people in charge that they're really the ones that are pulling the strings. Um, you know, and I think they've given JJ Abrams a tremendous amount of control. And to his credit, I think JJ Abrams realizes that, Hey, I don't want to do all three of these movies. I want to bring in other people. And I've got a huge amount of respect for JJ Abrams, you know, for what I feel he may lack as a filmmaker, Mm -hmm. his heart is in the right place. And I think his heart's always been in the right place. Oh, I think he's the great man for the job. But here's my other question is when you heard that, Lucas was selling the Star Wars rights, and this kind of goes to both of you. Um, when you heard that Disney was buying that, what did you think? Do you were you kind of torn between that, or did you think that maybe Disney would turn it into a too much of a kitty mm, type? No, not not no, because uh, because you know they uh, had control of the Marvel universe before that, and I saw what they started doing with Marvel, yeah. and so once I saw that, I was like, well, yeah, I've got all the trust in them in the world. But then again, I, again, I felt that before because I felt that Disney. I mean, if you look at what they've been doing with Pixar and just you know, I mean, everything that they've been doing lately, yeah. they've just been hitting on all cylinders. I mean, sure, they they you know have bad things. Sure, they've got Lion King two and a half. You know, oh. I mean, of course no, they've got go stuff there like that. that. <laughs> you know, but but for the most part, Disney is concerned with quality, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so 
I think everything that they've done it, it, with the Marvel Universe and with what I've seen so far with Star Wars, I don't think it's a problem. Yes, it's going to get a bit saturated. You know, they right. are they are going to keep on making Star Wars movies until the end of time. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but I'm okay with that. I well, think the, the 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 initial reaction that I had, well, from when they sold it, and then it wasn't even a six months, maybe even like three months, or even a month later, they said, okay, we announce Episode Seven. And I was like, oh, just slow, slow your I think it was about a, a month, month and a half yeah, afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it was just like they that. snapped their fingers. Oh, well, no, actually, it was uh, when the announcement about them buying the rights came out, it was accompanied with the fact that there will be a new trilogy. Yeah, and that's that kind of freaked yeah. me out a little bit. I, I had confidence in Disney, like you said, right. Joshua, because of the strength of what they did with the Marvel Universe right. um, and how they had the, you know it all planned out, even though now I'm kind of getting a little bit... Eh, kind of so-so on the Marvel Universe as of lately, but I just think that's comic book movies in general. Yeah, to be honest with yeah. you, I think they're just getting a little played yeah. out. Um, exactly, and that's where you yeah. said where the saturation started yeah. to come yeah, in. Yeah. We're going to start seeing like Rogue One is coming out. Yeah. You know what next year, and then in 2017, then you have Episode Eight. Right. You know, and then there's like the the Han Solo movie that's coming out. You know, so they're kind of it's almost like every year something's going to be coming out. Yeah. Movie wise. Yeah. Holy crap! Yeah, no, they are, and that's that's exactly the way that they they're planning it. And you know, I think that the the trilogy, you know, the seven, eight, nine trilogy would be fantastic. And mm-hmm. I'm you know going on record that I think part eight is going to be absolutely incredible. But I mean, I've been a fan of that director because you mentioned um, other directors are doing eight and nine. <clears throat> I don't think that they've. Uh, They've 100% confirmed who's doing nine yet, mm-hmm. um, but the guy that's doing eight, Ryan Johnson, is incredible, and he's writing and directing it. And um, for, I mean, a writer and director to do a Star Wars movie, that's never been done before, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Johnson is a tremendous writer and director. Um, from when I saw his first film, Brick, his second film, The Brothers I Bloom. Brick, yeah. yeah, I mean, Brick's amazing, and he did that on like a shoestring budget. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then Brothers Bloom is a very underrated film that... Mm-hmm. Not many people have seen, but that's a second film, and it's tremendous. And then Looper is also tremendous. Like, Mm -hmm. this guy, I truly believe, is a visionary director. He's not just... You know, kind of, I, I don't want to call J.J. Abrams a hack, but I think he's a little popcorn, you sure. know, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just, and that's fine. I think that's kind of what you need. But again, I, I really, I think that eight is going to be to seven what five is to four, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I, I hope it is, because I'm with you, Josh. I really, Empire Strikes Back to me is probably one of my favorites. And don't forget, oh, yeah. that's also when we found out Darth Vader I can't is, even imagine because for you know, me, Luke's I've father, always that was the <laughs> right. biggest cinematic thing That's in history thing. that Luke, I am your father is like. Oh, you know like, what? Wow, you know. Okay, now <laughs> that that does bring back a memory for me. Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, there was always in, in the newspapers. Uh, they were they had like a section where they were. I don't even think it was like speculative. I think they were just stating facts. Uh-huh. It might have been kind of a a, a a mix of the two. Where the the critics or somebody was talking about, oh well, you know, Darth Vader is Luke's father, and my dad was like reading me all this stuff, and I'm like, no, don't tell me anything. <laughs> I want to see it. I want to see. Right. It. I remember him. I remember me telling him that, uh, but he was just kind of spewing it out. So then when it actually happened, I was still kind of shocked, like how he revealed how Darth Vader revealed it um, was really cool, but 
I remember that newspaper article and just being so angry that I was learning about this stuff like ahead of time before seeing the film. Right. See, that's another thing. Like, I don't think there's ever a time I can remember where I didn't know that Darth Vader was Luke's father, you know, and that that's I I would have loved to have had that moment as a film goer. And then later I went um, it was being uh, thrown around that. Luke and Leia were related. Right. I'm like, uh-uh, no. Right. You did that Darth Vader thing before, you know, and I found out it was true, but no, there's no way that those two are related. They and were like making out. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And, yep, <laughs> right. they're brother and sister. And then you're like, ooh, wait a minute. They kissed in right. Empire Strikes Back. Right, so then that brings to like, if, if they're kind of following, or if they're going to kind of do uh, what 4, 5, and 6 did in 7, 8, and 9, like I think you you mentioned it early, Joshua. That that we're I think episode seven is going to be good, but we're kind of going to be left with not necessarily a cliffhanger, but we're not going to get all the answers that right. we want right. from it. Yeah. And that goes back to character, um, you know, where we're looking at different things like you know BB-8, who seems like the R two D two. Sure. Uh, you have Ray, who uh, seems like the Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, you know, Finn, who seems like the Han Solo character. Um, uh, I heard a rumor behind the Finn character that that's supposed to be Lando Calrissian's son. Yeah, I heard that rumor too. Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, yeah, I, what I am interested to see is if they are going to... There's got to be some twist in there, right? Because that's Star Wars. That's right. that's an important part of Star yeah. Wars is that twist. And that's something that I definitely think that episode one, two, and three was kind of missing. Like, there was really no twist at any point because you knew what was happening Mm -hmm. right so there was no point that it could really actually surprise you yeah what i think most people are looking forward to is seeing what they wanted to see was the jedi like be full yeah kick ass and like use their powers because we didn't really get to see that as much yeah in four five and six yeah i don't know if we're gonna get that in this because again the jedi there aren't many of them right you know um and i think that i don't know to me like that uh we've already kind of nuked the fridge on that one with the whole you know like episode two and all the (laughs) jedis and the you know all the lightsabers and the just dumb battle on geonosis and i just you know i don't know it was like you always pictured what it would be like to see a group of jedi fighting together and then the reality you got was so underwhelming right yeah Um, um, so yeah, but I definitely do wonder where some twists are going to be. I mean, some of the, I, I have everything is rumor. I mean, there there are things out there that are supposedly that people have kind of gleaned from the you know the things out there, and I try and kind of stay away from those things. But I've heard mm-hmm. some heard some interesting rumors. Oh, that Kylo Ren is Luke Skywalker. <clears throat> evil. That's the dumbest one I've ever heard. Because I mean, the thing is, is they've shown pictures of Kylo Ren without his mask, and looks nothing like Luke Skywalker. Right. But I do have to say. And and I'm I, I I'm pretty sure that it's not Luke Skywalker. Um, but those photos that I've seen, like in Entertainment mm-hmm. Weekly, um, could have just been like a, a publicity. It could thing yeah. where it's like, oh, let's just take a picture of Adam Driver without yeah. the, the mask on. It could because you think of four, five, and six. Um, that was David Prowse. Yeah. Yeah. That that was you know, and then yeah. the voice was James Earl was Jones. James Earl Jones. So it wasn't right. It wasn't uh, Sebastian, um, what's his face at the at the end. He wasn't in the suit. Yeah, you know? I'm definitely I, gonna lay down money that we're here, gonna here, see Kylo here's my his question. Mask, here's a question. They've, as a couple weeks ago, they actually released with the official Star Wars Awakens trailer 
uh-huh. poster looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've seen the movie poster, we know who's supposed to be in the movie. You know, Carrie Fisher, sure. Harrison Ford, you know, Chewbacca's being brought back in, and also Mark Hamill. Well, Mark Hamill's not on the poster. Right. Right. But J.J. Abrams has said there's a, there's a good reason for that. Yeah. That's his response. I think that he went into exile. I think he did the same thing that Ben Kenobi did. Um, you think maybe he's going to be like the next Yoda teaching? Yeah, I think that's a good possibility. But, I mean, another interesting rumor that I've heard is that he goes bad. You know, that right. he is a dark Jedi. You know, he's, you know, I don't know if he, you call him a Sith because he's technically not. Right. Um, but that he has gone bad. Um, and maybe he is the big bad behind everything. I've also heard interesting, you know, there's a lot of interesting rumors out there that, you know, one of the ones that I really like, and this is what I definitely think is going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. is that um, Kylo Ren is going to resurrect Darth Vader, you know that that's what he's trying to do. That he's a he's a fanboy of Darth Vader, and that's right. the way I like to view him. You know, well, I mean, yeah, because it, it is it like the First Order kind of reminds me, or you know, or the the Knights of Ren reminds me of like the Crusades. Yeah, so they're looking for the Holy Grail. He's trying right. to collect yeah, all relics. these you know, yeah. all these holy relics. Yeah, and one thing that I, I really marinated on, and it just gives me goosebumps thinking about Kylo Ren is is Han's son. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's kind of this disconnect between you know Han and Leia. He heard all these stories and just became like the bad seed. Felt like he was neglected by Han, right? But knew all this stuff, right? And decided to take on, uh, you know, his own persona to say, you know, fuck you to my parents, right? You know, just being like the rebellious kid. Um, but I, as as far as like Luke goes, I you know I don't think he's like in it at all, mm-hmm. other than maybe you know, something at the end. Yeah. I think he'll be in it. I definitely, it's either there's some big reason for it, uh, you know, or it could just be to keep that as a special moment, right. you know, to have that moment where you see Luke for the first time be an, you know, a cool cinematic moment of there he is, you yeah. know, and, and at least hold something back from us because we've seen so much, but at the same time, if you took all of the footage, the unique footage we've seen from all the trailers, this still adds up to maybe three and a half minutes out of a two oh, hour, sure. and 15 yeah. minute long yeah. movie. I think JJ Abrams is being, incredibly careful as to what he does he understands you know jj abrams understands geek culture he understands internet culture it's something Mm -hmm. he's always been very good at like he is one of us so he understands how much people are looking at all these things i mean it's just obvious in all the ways that he's virally marketed this film and the the way that he's been open about it and the things he's chosen to show us um that he knows how much people are looking into this and so that's why i think it's most interesting that that uh, red herring um, that it like from everything from the like the few last few previews you anyone was looking at that critically you assume Finn dies like it's obvious mm-hmm. you know they have they have Kylo Ren and Finn fighting in the snow and then they have Ray crying over somebody in the snow and it's like okay obviously Finn dies and that's why I know that Finn's not gonna die because J.J. Abrams is putting that there as a red herring he wouldn't give away something that huge in trailers when he knows how much people are over <laughs> But yet again, it could be you know. He he sometimes he's he's transparent too, or he puts something like right in front of your face, and you 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 speculate on. But then it is true, 
it's that whole thing with uh, uh, Into Darkness when mm-hmm. he had, uh, you know, it was Khan, and everybody's like, this is Khan. It's right. obvious it's Khan, but in the credits, it was that Jonathan so-and-so or whatever, yeah, one yeah. of the kind of minor characters from the Star Trek universe. Um, but everyone kind of knew but didn't really sure yeah. until, you know, he actually saw the movie, and he said, I'm, I'm Khan. Yeah, but at the... At the, at the at the at the moment, I I'll tell you, I felt nothing. When oh yeah, I saw no, yeah, into it just, darkness, right, you know. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, my name is Khan, and I was like, I don't care. It didn't have yeah, yeah. as much impact. Like as it really didn't. It didn't have as much impact as the original Star Trek number two, The Wrath of Khan. Well, or yeah, even in the original series when ricardo montalban you know or like the yeah. moment like because what i think of because i don't have a very high opinion of into darkness i really don't like mm-hmm. i mean as a lifetime trekkie i feel that it's taking the the thing which is about intelligence and it's about you know this kind of uh, you know utopian future and all that kind of stuff you know the stuff that i've always loved about star trek and it's just throwing it out the window and making an action movie right. out of it yeah. and and it's recycling ideas it's from a shallow. much much better yeah. film yeah. you know and so um i don't have a lot of uh, love for that i have a lot of love for the original star trek like the jj jj abrams right. star trek yeah, i think that's a tremendous film and the moment w- in that film when you find out it's an alternate universe you know mm-hmm. and it's like it's like this light and i didn't see that coming you know mm-hmm. and it you know maybe i'm sure other people did but that was like a light bulb going off and it was like holy crap yeah, this just is gave brilliant. it permission to you know right. do anything what a great to way to yeah. do this because now they can just do whatever they want to and that's why i thought it was especially disappointing to just make part two another their con film right. you know when they could have done anything that they wanted to that was just such a lazy and safe decision to do right um and i think it put them up to a lot of scrutiny because wrath of khan is such a tremendous film that it's like you're really going to try to compare yourself against this movie are you yeah. serious but that moment you know where, where it's like you find out that it's an alternate universe was for me it's like one of the great cinematic moments and so i think jj abrams is capable of it you know and if we get a moment like that in star wars right. you know an interesting rumor i've heard um is maybe the first order not the bad guys you know maybe they're not like what if that's a huge red herring that, oh, that you watch this entire thing and you just think that, that they're think the bad guys be a real cinematic yeah. Twist to everything. Yeah. And we're looking for that big shock awe, you know, right. thing. Because don't forget, Finn, like you said, the trailers that have been released so far, he's been very, J.J. Abrams has been very selective about what he shows us. And, right. mm-hmm. you know, they do show Finn starting off as a stormtrooper. Sure. Right. And then all of a sudden he's now with the good guys. And here yeah. he is wielding a blue lightsaber against Kylo Ren. Yeah. So, well, and how does he learn how to use that lightsaber? You know, that's the whole that's thing. That's the metachlorian, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 the but old... see, like, well, then they say, well, Han was able to light up the saber when he was cutting the tauntaun. It's true. But he was also, he was also, like, really, like, unsure of it. Like, you can see, like, the way he held it. And even, like, when that, it's like, it zipped, essentially zipped it open. Just he opened it up and he barely touched it. And it did that. Like, yeah. it's not like he was wielding it like a saber. You know, like, I he was so. just holding it and using it as, like, but a knife. But Finn was, like, pissing his pants in that trailer when yeah. Yeah, Kylo yeah. was coming up. So, right. you know, I don't know. I mean, I could pick up a katana sword mm-hmm. and you know sure. probably just kind of whip it around yeah, yeah, or yeah. defend against myself you know yeah, that's yeah. something that's, that's coming point. at me um but what about i i'm i'm starting to second guess bb8 yeah well, bb8's the big bad guy no the B, uh, bb stands well, for BB-8's big bad really not, <laughs> they're showing a lot of bb8 now but they're no one's speculating anything about bb8 no one's 
Oh, they're saying like it it encapsulates like the the soul of the emperor. What? And is con- I've, I've read wow. like so many strange wow. things. Oh, but there's there's some please, sort of please let that be true. There's some <laughs> there's some sort of a, a catalyst that brings BB-8 to Jakku um, and teams up with Ray. Uh, and I'm trying to think like how that how that happens. Hmm. Um, you have Finn who crash lands on Jakku. Obviously, the that uh, the the First Order's star destroyer is up above Jakku. Right. I would assume maybe you know uh, the Knights of Ren are on there. Maybe Jakku has something to where they're looking for an an artifact that's on the planet, or are they looking for Ray? I have so many questions. Yeah, but that's great, and that's that's one thing that I mean. If, I really, really am just enjoying right now is not knowing, you know, it's like been such a long time since we haven't known something with star Wars. And that's just, that's great. We have to appreciate it right now while we can. And I, and I stopped watching any of the other trailers, um, any of the TV spots. I think I stopped at like maybe the second or third TV spot. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to know anymore. It's fun to talk about. But I don't want to see any more scenes because now they're starting to like pepper in, yeah. you know, some of the action, you know, changes and shots oh, that's and establishing said, though, things. A uh, new one that they released on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't want to see it. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of in lockdown mode at this yeah. point too. I mean, I've been watching so all of them, now. but you know, I I intentionally haven't watched the last few things that have come up. The last one I watched was the Finn trailer, uh, which had that great moment as he goes like, "Are you ready?" He goes, "Hell no!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I was like, "That's great," but that's the last one I watched. I'm not going to watch anymore because yeah. it's just too close at this point. Yeah. Like I can I can deal with waiting. Yeah, at this no, point. me too. Oh, we only got a few weeks left. I know. <laughs> Comes so out on my birthday. Exciting. I can't wait. It's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, I think like last year, I, I, I asked someone. I was like, "Well, can you just knock me out?" And so I could just sleep and then wake up when it's, you know, December 17th, 2015. And well, now yeah. it's like three weeks off. It's I know. Well, yeah, insane. I don't know. If I put the, the, I don't know if you saw, but I put a, a Facebook post earlier. You know, Facebook has those memories thing. Yeah. And one year ago today is when the trailer came out, wow. you know, right now when we're recording this. Um, And I remember back then going, oh, my God, how are we going to wait this year? <laughs> you know, and now here it is, you know, yeah. just uh, time passes. But, you know, I mean, I remember getting super excited to see Jurassic Park and not waiting for you being able to wait for that film mm-hmm. and that was 93 you know like i definitely think that as you get older you definitely get more patient about things but it's right. been really hard with star wars yeah, it's it been, been very hard with star wars <laughs> well because you were you were pretty much begging over the summer you know just for anything more yeah. more more and now that it's just coming out you know hand and fist like it seems like almost every week they're coming out with something newer yeah. every other day they're coming out with something new yeah whether it be a movie a trailer something yeah. in the news or a toy I right. just know that they've totally got me, like, and I, I'm sure you guys, I, I know for a fact that you guys are the same, but, like, I'm just a complete sucker for anything right now. Like, I was in the store and saw a pair of BB-8 boxers, had to buy them, right. you know? I was at Subway, and they have these little lunch pails with uh, First Order Stormtroopers on them, had to get it, you know? It's just yeah. like, I'm like, just take my money, whatever yeah. it is. I'm the same way, it's like walking through Walgreens, yeah. and I see this little miniature lunchbox thing right with the original star wars characters on right. it and it says for gift cards and it's like okay gotta have <laughs> yeah, it. yeah yeah and yeah. then they got the new star wars force awakens legos yep. they have you know candy coming out you're wearing Christmas. an awesome Everything. captain phasma shirt right now yeah i just got that in my star wars 
box yesterday. That's awesome. That just came in the mail. I and love then, Captain of course, Phasma. I got a Star Wars laptop. Yeah, I, I mean, the yeah, this, Disney's definitely making their money back. I mean, yeah. they know how to. <laughs> Well, it's all about the merchandising. They know yeah. it is. It's I mean, all about all the money. It it's marketing, but they know how to do it. But to me, you know, that, that's an interesting thing because the Star Wars merchandising has always been just such an important part of Star Wars to me. And I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing. I mean, the people that are detractors, they like to talk about, oh, it's just there to sell you stuff. But, you know, it wasn't just Star Wars. But I remember as a child watching E.T., you know, and have the part where he's like has uh, Elliot has E.T. in his room and he's got like all the little Star Wars figures that he's mm-hmm. showing E.T. Yep. And I remember even watching in Poltergeist, they've got the a Star, Star Wars, Wars poster, poster and the, the, the bedding and the, the, you know, everything like that. And so for me, like that just co- goes so hand in hand with like my nostalgia for my 80s childhood right. is just you know star wars you know pillowcases and star wars toys star and wars all that pajamas, stuff star, yeah yeah and you know. yeah i think just about almost a lot of the movies out there some way or another make some sort of reference to the original star wars movies I, a lot of them do yeah, yeah. Especially in the 80s, you know, because that was such it was funny. I was watching uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off recently, and there's the part where they've got the two uh, the two uh, valets and they go take that, you know, super nice car that they're trying to not get messed up oh, on yeah, a joyride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they have the part where the, the car flies over the top of the frame and it's got the Star Wars theme, yeah. the music playing. And I was like, oh, that's funny because this movie was like <laughs> 1986, I believe. Right. Um, you know, and so at the time that must have been super cool. Right. Like it's still cool now, but especially back then. Yeah, the they 80s. didn't really do that a whole lot. Yeah, exactly. As they do now. Yeah, because it was just like a a shorthand for you know, aren't we cool? Because we put Star Wars in our movie. You yeah. Because you you know you love Star Wars. <laughs> well, and I know I've done that a few times too. If I opened it up on the freeway or whatever, and I'm just like, I just blast Star Wars. Right? You know, yeah, I mean, that's of course. Just, boom. Who doesn't? Or any time that you drive under the in the tunnels, uh-huh. you know, you think like you know you're the X-wing, like oh, going yeah. into the trenches, trench run. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's always what it was like. Oh yeah. So, let's see. The Star Killer base, which is an interesting throwback, because I'm sure you guys know what that's a throwback to. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, that's a pretty cool yeah, name. Luke's original. Yeah. Uh, last name, but it's the first time we I caught wind of that is when the poster came out, and I said, "Well, yeah. that's a big." like round thing with that kind of starry whatever yeah. something it's like a death star in the in the center uh we haven't heard much uh of like really the first order uh as far as like what who's it like general hux mm-hmm. uh gleason yeah um and like even captain Which, oh, phasma so interesting thing not to correct you but i just learned this myself it's pronounced donald Donald. Yeah, oh, Donald. Okay. I, I was watching the um, the special features of uh, of um, Ex Machina, uh-huh. and they they said it there, and they're like Donald Gleason. I was like, oh, cool. I've always wondered how you pronounce that name. Yeah, it's so. kind of like uh, uh, Mila Jovovich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where she corrects on the, I think it's the Resident Evil commentary. Right. Uh, her and um, uh, who's the action girl that's in there too? Uh, anyways, she keeps she keeps correcting her every right. time she says Jovovich. Right. Jovovich, yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> and yells at or like her. I remember when I used to say Ralph Fiennes all the time before oh, yeah. it was Rafe yeah, Fiennes. Yeah, like, Rafe. how you can know the Rafe? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, you know, just hey, it's always good to have the the correct pronunciation, Donald Gleason. But I, you know, I it just 
kind of seems like the the first order you know this new empire i guess or whatever's continued on you know for those 30 years um is pretty straightforward right i mean i don't think you have to know much more that you know this is the general of the army this is captain phasma i'm you know i'm wondering if we're going to see phasma without the helmet I don't know. Because I mean, Gwendolyn, it, I mean, just herself, just as a character, is like really, really strong. It makes me also wonder. It's just the same thing with Adam Driver. You know, it's like why, why cast these actors that are these tremendous actors yes. to play these characters with masks if you're not going to show them? You know, mm-hmm. now maybe, and with Adam Driver, who's a stage actor and he's very into movement, um, and, you know, maybe it was just have him wear a mask the whole time, but because he's going to be able to physicalize this character in a way that other people may not necessarily be able right. to, you know, that's possible. But I really think we're going to see him without his mask. Yeah. And, and in kind, you have uh, Andy Serkis in this as well. Yeah. Who um, I hear the rumors. He's the big bad. Yeah. That's what I hear. Right. Uh, but that was, I think that's all motion capture. Isn't he a motion capture character? Yeah. 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 Along with, uh, who's the, the mystic um, in this one who kind of knows. They had the, they were like collectors. It's that scene where you see all the banners right. in the trailer. Uh, that was, oh, Maz Kanata. Right. Um, that's motion capture. For the most yeah, part. and I do like the mix of motion capture and practical that they're going for. I mean, that's something yeah. that um, I really loved in, you know, like, for example, uh, Hell, uh, Hellboy 2, uh, Guillermo del Toro did, right. you know, like just mixing the CGI and practical effects as such a great effect. Well, same with um, uh, Zathustra. No, is it? Zathura. The Z- I always yeah, say, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. always thinking like Song of right, Zarathustra. Right. Uh, that was... Um, Oh, why is his name escaping me? The director. Yeah, yeah, John Favreau. John yeah, Favreau. Yeah. That's what really got me excited when he uh, was signed on to do Iron Man. Yeah. Is because of his use of practical and CGI. Yeah. Um, and made it look seamless. Yeah, totally. And yeah. and I think he knocked that out of the park with Iron Man yeah. as far as that stuff goes. Definitely. Yep, absolutely. Um, other than that. Well... Getting onto the CGI thing, yeah. Um, I mean, it's come a long, long way yes. to where now things you kind of second guess and go, "Is that real or CGI?" Right now, do you think the CGI technology we have now, if they went back and did Episode One, Two, and Three of Star Wars, do you think it'd be it make it any better? Than um, it was? I don't think you could no. possibly. I don't think so either. I just think that that you know, I mean, or do you think they just kind of overdid too much CGI with those movies? That that's why they just really didn't take off the way they did. Well, I think that there's. You're talking about episode one, two, and three. Correct. I think that there's so many things that are wrong with that. The CGI is just part of it. I mean, it's not even the CGI that bothers me as much because in going back and rewatching those films, um, I, I'm like amazed at how good the CGI was for the time. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. how so much of it really still does stand up. Um, but you know, it's all the goofy, dumb parts. It's the farting animals, and the, you know, the the Jar Jar getting his tongue stuck in the you know the pod you know, pod racer yeah. thing, and just the, it's all that stuff. That's the stuff that really drives me crazy with those films. It's not even the convoluted Trade Federation stuff. It's just all of the dumb jokes or the bad extras. You know, like the part where they've got like all the kids during the pod race and they're just 
obviously terrible actors, you know, and they're just <laughs> looking really bad and fake looking. But that's one of my pet peeves is bad extras. To me, it just completely takes me out of a movie. It's like, oh, sure. you know, it's really, so I just think there was a lot of issues going. It's, it's not so much that, but I definitely think that limitations almost always make something better. You know, that's, that's something that, that when you have this just endless budgets and you can do whatever you want and no one is there. That's the important thing. No one is there to tell you no. And that's one thing mm. I, I, I listened to a fantastic six hour long podcast from this uh, podcast called the projection booth, which I'll give a shout out to because I think this thing deserves to be listened to. Sure. Um, but it's this incredible six hour long Star Wars one. And they talked about that that really became the issue with the original trilogy is that no one was willing to tell George Lucas no. And there were lots of people to tell him no in the original three films you know and because they were he was still proving himself and it was those limitations you know it was a uh, francis ford coppola coming in and helping him out with casting it was um right. his wife helping him out with dialogue you know certain certain some of the best lines in star wars he did not write you yeah. know i know he actually, went to tom stepard for yeah oh yeah 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 i mean yeah he was, he was talking to all his constituents you know over right. the years and that's the thing is is that the narrative has formed th over time that uh, george lucas just formed this out of his head as a full piece and delivered it unto the world but that's not really what happened it was a collaborative effort by a bunch of incredibly talented people right. and sometimes people had to tell him no and and the one of the most interesting things i learned about those films is that the reason that you're that that episode one two and three have the issues that they do is that is actually the vision that George Lucas originally wanted. That originally, um, if you read the original uh, writing that he did for Star Wars, mm -hmm. it was very dry. It wasn't that funny. It was full of technical political nonsense. <laughs> and and it was... I, I've heard the same. Yeah. Uh. And it was people that had to come in and say, look, no, this isn't entertaining. You need to change this and tell him no. And that's really what happens is when you have people that tell you no, people have to figure figure out, okay, I'm going to do this in a different way. Or even if it's not that, I mean, just technological limitations. I mean, I believe that 2001 A Space Odyssey is as amazing as it is right. because of the technological limitations, mm -hmm. you know, because he had to work with what he had. So he had these models and he make these models as good as possible and, and you know, take your time with them. Um, you know, what ironically is, is a lot of the same special effects people that worked on Star Wars, right? right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, to me, it's about those limitations. So, yeah, do I think that the, the first three films uh, or, you know, four, five, and six would have been better with C? GI? No, absolutely not. I think that they're better without it, frankly. Yeah, I agree. I agree that a collaboration of, like you said, having, you know, going out, asking for the help. Right. You know, and getting different ideas. Because I've heard the same thing, George Lucas. His writings are dry. Mm-hmm. It's well, obvious. You look at episode one, two, and three, and that's that's what George Lucas is. You know, that's what you get when you have somebody who is a very talented megalomaniac. You know, and but no one is there to restrict you at all, and everybody was afraid, and that's the interesting thing that you know. So, episode four, five, and six. He was making these films and he had these people that were passionate about it, right? Because they were creating something new. But in episode one, two, and three, all of the special effects technicians, all of the the people that were building sets were people that grew up on the original Star Wars films. Yeah. So they were just aghast at being able to work on a Star Wars film. Mm -hmm. So of course no one's gonna tell him no. 
You know, right. no one is. And that's a bad thing. You yeah. know, it really, really is. Um, because, you know, sometimes it can work. If, you know, if you have a, a power mad person that's in control, if it's a Stanley Kubrick, that's fine. Because that, but he understood the importance. I mean, it, no one could tell Stanley Kubrick no, but Stanley Kubrick understood the importance of working with people. Right. You know, he always did. He would be yeah. the first one to tell yeah. you that. Um, well, yeah, and they would fight tooth and nail. And even, they would even work with Stanley. Yeah. Um, even though he would do, you know, 150 takes right. of just, you know, a three-second scene. Right. Um, just for one little nuance that he wanted to capture. Knew, knew what he wanted. Uh, but the, the actors would, would kill themselves. But they understood it right. as well. They understood what was on the page. You never hear of an actor going, well, I don't know what the hell Stanley wants yeah. from me. Yeah. And if they ever did say that, well, then you were probably on his shit list and yeah. would just have to suffer through it. Well, but, either that or he was trying to do that intentionally, you know, with to like get the, you to a yeah, place. Like, yeah. yeah, like you said, he knew how to manipulate. Right. Yeah. Like with The, the Shining, the he did that stuff, a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, he had not only did, you know, he... Uh, uh, treat um, oh who played Wendy I can't remember uh, uh, Shelley Duvall, Shelley Duvall yeah, yeah not only did he treat her terribly the entire filming of that because he wanted her to feel hopeless right. which is, right. I, I think is morally questionable but he did the same thing with Jack Nicholson where he would have him do 30 or 40 takes of the same scene because he knew that once you got 30 or 40 takes in he would just start getting angry oh, yeah. and he would just start doing you know just whatever and those were the takes that he used right so you know it takes somebody really talented to understand and that's really i think what george lucas's biggest downfall is i don't think he understands actors right you know i really don't like i don't think he works well with actors and that actually ties in interestingly to an episode 789 thing which is the the rumor that they are going to bring back uh darth vader and that hayden christensen is going to play him mm -hmm. resurrected you know which a lot of people are immediately like no that's terrible but I actually think that Hayden Christensen kind of gets a bad rap. I think that he's actually mm -hmm. quite good in episode three. Yeah. Um, in episode uh, two, he's not, you know, but he also is younger and he's with a director that doesn't really know how to work with actors, right. you know, and I think that he does really good work in episode three and I'd like to see him get another chance because I think he's a really good actor. I mean, right. he's great in Shattered Glass. He's really great in um, My Life is a House, mm -hmm. um, you know, so yeah, you know, I, I, I would like to see... I would like to see him come back and get another shot, frankly. As long as when he had the mask on, it's James Earl Jones. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Now, do you think that the way episode one, two, and three of Star Wars, how it was, not a lot of people enjoyed it or liked it. Um, do you think maybe that had a lot to do of why George Lucas sold the rights? I don't think Wars? he cares at all. Like, I, I think that he's just completely oblivious as to whether people like it or not. I just think that he, at some point, said, okay, I'm going to let my baby go. I'm going to let somebody else do this right now. And again, he wasn't doing it for money because he gave all that money to charity, you yeah. know. And, and he deserves all the credit in the world for that and for everything he's done, not just in terms of creating Star Wars, but technologically. I mean, what the way he what he's done for theater sound, you know, the oh, level. He created that, THX, which right. was great. I yeah. mean. You know, not just not just THX, but like made sure that there was a certain standard of quality that theaters had to meet, mm -hmm. you know, and things like that. And it's completely revolutionized it. And again, you know, I just 
it, it's really interesting. I, there's this great documentary called The People versus George Lucas, which I don't know if you guys have seen, but yeah, no. you know, it spends the entire time talking about how much of a punk he is for not releasing the originals and all this stuff. But at the end, it says, "But we still have to thank him." I mean, obviously. I mean, oh, you sure. know, you know, and and so I feel the same thing here. I mean, you know, we've spent a lot of time kind of bagging on him, and for good reason. But at the same time, he's done so much good. He's brought so much joy to all of us, right. you know. And I think that maybe just a light bulb went off for him, right? You know, and he said, okay, now is time to give this to somebody else and let's see what they can make of it, you know? Well, and one of the one of the overall things that gets me optimistic and excited is uh, Harrison Ford has embraced this. Yeah. Like I never expected him to, and he's a, because he's, he's always been, kind of, he's, yeah, he's always been <laughs> yeah. kind of just you know the the type of guy that uh, even when the Indiana Jones stuff was happening, he was kind of half assed about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. not going on Jimmy Kimmel like he's almost on there like every other night now, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, dressing up as a hot dog and doing was, all these skits. You know, I'm pretty and sure he was. You know? inebriated during that too oh sure and that's fine amazing. but you know what that was great he, he, <laughs> or he him did. and chewy on right. jimmy kimball yeah. yeah, yeah. chewy's on top of the building and it's like oh jump you know and then no <laughs> oh, he's your friend don't jump yeah. but i mean he right. would have never done that like even you know to a couple years ago or even five mm-hmm. years ago ten years ago yeah. uh for any of this stuff they never really asked his opinion about the prequels you know he never yeah. really read anything about that uh, even Mark Hamill, you know, he's he's never really talked about the prequels all that much. Right. Um, that I remember. They, I just remember when Phantom Menace came out and then they kind of caught him leaving the theater. You know, he was doing kind of the paparazzi, you know, hide right. my face and I'm just going to beeline it to my car. Uh, but I, I love that they're just, all of them just seem so... So excited, yeah, one hundred percent fresh and, and I think that's that's obvious on screen too. At least with Harrison Ford, um, you know that's something that you know, and it, I, I probably have said this to you before off air, but you know, the thing is, is when I watched the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I did not feel like I was watching Indiana Jones. Right. Like when I was looking at Harrison Ford himself, his it just didn't feel like indie to me. Right. Um, but when I watch the footage I've seen so far, it feels like Han Solo. It oh, yeah. feels like an older version of Han Solo. Mm-hmm. There's something there. You know, Harrison Ford he can phone it in sometimes, but mm-hmm. when he's not phoning it in, like he is, he's tremendous. And there's something, there's a magic behind what he does. And it's a magic behind his eyes and the way that he says things that he is specifically Harrison Ford, that he embodies a character like nobody else can. Yeah. And he is, he is, it's like he is back as Han Solo and you feel that. Yeah. And that I think is really probably the biggest trick to why we're all so impacted by these trailers mm-hmm. it's is because think about it during that first one that chewy we're home oh, when, that's the I moment i was just gonna right? say when he comes yeah. back and he's like chewy yeah we're home yeah that's you know, the moment like, that gives me the most goosebumps oh, of the yeah. whole thing and oh, then yeah. and then also in the, the the second trailer you know the you know the 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 force the jedi all of it it's, it's true yeah, yeah yeah exactly you know that's another thing i'm like okay goosebumps you know you got me and yeah. it's it's that tying it back to the originals that is a super smart move of jj abrams to do and it's super respectful of him to do absolutely you know and so i love it and also it's going to be important by 
not and we haven't discussed this he's filming on film you know like he's not doing digital and that's so important so when this movie becomes the biggest grossing movie of all time you're going to be able to say well you know maybe not all films have to be done digitally because the biggest film of all time was shot on film you know so he's doing good things for cinema as well yeah you know and I, i just think it's good for so many reasons yeah and it was really disappointing when i was talking to a few people who either own a movie theater um, or you know, run the you know the equipment is that the the companies that make the digital projectors basically uh, went in like uh, like like mobsters and said, if you don't get rid of your film projectors, you can't have our digital projectors, right. or you can't get a really good deal on the digital yeah. projectors. So everybody jumped up and said, well, you know, if this is the new thing, we just have to embrace it. So, mm-hmm. you know, take all these out. So really there's, I don't, I don't know who does uh, project film in Arizona. I know the Alamo does, the right. Draft House ones do. I don't know if all of them IMAX do or at does, least have one. IMAX least, is yeah. still. You know, that's so. definitely why I'm seeing it there. Um, and I don't know, I guess, uh, well, I'm sure you've heard of Tarantino's The the Hateful Eight yes. is going to be projecting the 70 oh, I, millimeter I Panavision. Trailer for that. Yeah. I can't right, wait. Which is incredible. Um, and I did hear a rumor that um, that the Seneca Pre is going as much as it's not what the old Seneca Pre right. was, but the new right. Seneca Pre is going to have the 70 millimeter Panavision um, oh, playing. Oh, that'd be great! Yeah. That Seneca Pre was created for Panavision. You yeah. know, I mean, um, yeah. and so you know that's super exciting. It's it's exciting to see film make a comeback. But you know, I think that this always happens. This is a cycle that you see over and over and over again, right? It's the same yeah, way like that VHS and Beta. Yeah, you know, I think that's a little bit to, to me. VHS is it, vinyl. It's comeback. Yeah, vinyl, yeah, vinyl. I think is a great example. Vinyl. Starting I think to make a comeback, big time. Yeah. Like vinyl is huge right now, and now you got the <clears throat> vinyl record players that you can record now on the. Well, the oh, yeah, quality yeah. is better. You yeah, know, I the think that th- there is a VHS comeback, but I think that's more of kind of a kitschy, nostalgic thing because yeah. that's clearly an inferior, inferior technology. It's got a style yeah, to and it, and it's mostly like trying to find those gems, like stuff that's completely yeah. in moratorium exactly. that hasn't been seen, or right. it's so locked up in in its licensing that they can't right. you know release it elsewhere. Precisely, you know, but really, it's like you see this over and over again so you've got the you know again vinyl coming back right you know just like you said mark when you've got um you've got also you know even with things like the arcade scene coming back right you know awesome and i hope that the next thing is going to be video stores because i feel that there's a there's a want for it out there that now that all the video stores are gone there's i've I've heard it so often that people like you know i miss going into a video store and just being able to look at a wall of movies and saying what do i want to watch and not have to pay five to six dollars to rent something on iTunes mm-hmm. or just go with whatever Netflix has. Right. You know, and so or there's go to a red box and it's an yeah. personal well and, and know, red box credit card got, in, it pops right. out a movie. And they don't have but as they much. don't have hardly yeah. anything. Right. You know, that's the thing. So you know it's like I like it. You know, maybe it's like we have to lose these things in order to appreciate them, mm-hmm. you know, in order to get them again. And so I think the same thing's happening with film. It's happening with with practical effects. You know, it's this it's this wanting to go back because we realize what we left behind and what, what we're missing. You right. know? And that's so what I, I like about J.J. Abrams. Is, right. Yeah, he understands that, yeah. He gets that. He definitely does, you know, and, and I think, again, he's doing a great thing for cinema in general with the way that he's approaching this because he could have gone 100% the other way. He could have gone all digital, all CGI, but the fact that he hasn't, I think, and the fact that he's respecting his fans is really coming through. So, and then to, to kind of 
kind of bring it a little bit back around again. And this, I guess you could kind of call this as a practical effect. A lot of the original um, characters are back, including the actors. But do you think, like, Peter Mayhew can barely stand on his own two legs. Yeah. Do you think he was actually in the suit the whole time? Same with Kenny Baker, R2. Did they maybe just have kind of like, um, I'm trying to think of the word, just kind of like an honorary, um, you know, come onto the set, stick him in the R2 for maybe like an hour or so? Because I heard that he's not doing all that well either. It can't, you know, he can't really be in that confined space. I think that they probably would have them in. I mean, th- I think that before they had another actor get in the Chewy suit, mm-hmm. I think that they would just rewrite the script to make Chewy not do things that required so much movement. Because I think that it's important to have. I, I mean, I don't know how long Wookiees live, um, you know, but if he is aging, you know, even Wookiees should age, right? Well, they they say the age that he's at in uh, Force Awakens is he's in his prime right now. Oh, really? Yeah, age okay. wise. Interesting, because I definitely think no one's gonna move like Peter Mayhew. You know, right. like oh yeah, no, there's right. the, his gait, his walk, right. uh, you know, his arms, everything like that. Yeah, you it's know, important. I mean, it's, yeah, it is very important. Just the same as David Prowse. I mean, just like having somebody else like in Darth Vader oh, sure. would would give yeah. me a pause as well, right? Because you know, for all the attention that James Earl Jones gets, I mm-hmm. mean, that walk, that 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 strut that <laughs> that that yeah. Darth Vader has is super super important to who Darth Vader is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if they do bring him back and they don't have, you know, I don't even know if David Prowse is David Prowse is still alive. Yeah, he's still yeah, alive. He, he actually has a Facebook page, which right. I am a fan of, and I right. watch his stuff. Yeah. And- uh, yeah, this year he said that he can't do any more conventions outside of the UK. Right. Um, or even, you know, he's kind of said, I, I can't really do anything right now. I guess uh, he's lost sight in one eye. Right. Um, he's not He's not really mobile as what he used to be. I mean, he's... He's still like signing stuff, and he's re- sure. he connects really, really uh, quite a bit on Facebook. I see like posts yeah, from him he, like he every day. Every so day. he loves his fans. Um, he doesn't get invited to conventions for many years. He didn't, right. which was kind of sad because yeah, he, again, he just he had some sort of uh, outing with Lucas. Um, I don't. Th- I think he got along with the cast fine, right? But um, there's just some bad blood between him and and i don't know if it's like lucas films or yeah i mean not only did he carry the physicality of darth vader but he acted that part yeah they don't give him enough credit and get in and did it voiced over so you know again i just think that jj abrams understands the importance of these actors i think that's Mm -hmm. why even if um you know, let's say Kylo Ren and Captain Phasma don't take off their masks. He understands the importance of physicality with right. an actor yeah. and putting the right people in the right roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I, I just I don't see him putting anybody else in the suit. I can see him maybe doing a CGI uh, Chewbacca for a certain scene, but I kind of think that they would write around it. You know, that's yeah. just the way I feel. I think that mostly Chewbacca is probably going to be seen sitting co-pilot seat, right, you know, yeah. things like that, not really, you know, running around. Because ultimately, you didn't have a lot of that in the original trilogy anyway. You know, there wasn't – it. it <laughs> there certainly was not Chewbacca, you know, swinging on vines yeah. a lot. <laughs> Doing a Tarzan yell <laughs> right, in a right. different part of the galaxy that didn't yeah. have television. <laughs> yeah. That just drove me nuts. Yeah. Even yeah. as a kid, I was like, no, what yeah. is that? I mean, oh. Do you think they're going to do the same thing like they did with the older Star Wars movies where one comes out every three years? Oh, yeah. 
Uh, well, no, it's actually be less than two that. years. Yeah, it's like two and a half years because yeah. um, it's going to be summer of what? So what, this is 2015. So it's like what? Tw- uh, summer of 2017 is yep. when the next one comes out, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's two and a half years. And my guess is that I don't know. I mean, they'll probably do another two and a half years, and it'll probably be like winter of 2019 is probably when the third one will come yeah, that's out. That's what I'd probably guess. Yeah, because yeah, they I have heard the same thing. Yeah, because I mentioned earlier they the Rogue One is next year. Yeah. So something is coming out every year. That, right. You know, and what is Rogue Rogue One is is that after or right now, I think it's like right before A New Hope. Is it? I think it's part of like the um the, the part of the I don't know if it's like Bothan spies but where they're gathering information about the empire in order to overthrow them. So it's right. it's kind of the beginning of the true rebellion. Yeah. I've heard it's just, a, it's just a good heist movie, basically, yeah. in the Star Wars yeah. universe, which I think is really rad. Well, there's yeah. so many Star Wars novels and books out there and sure. so many side stories that yeah, they, they have can stuff go any to, direction, yeah. anywhere, but... Right. Yeah. And again, I'm happy about it, you know? Bring it on. Yeah, oh, yeah. Whatever. Cast a... You know, have somebody playing a young Han Solo, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. Have a Boba Fett spinoff movie. To me, it's not going to dilute the the movies that i like yeah so uh, are the two of you more excited about this this whole film franchise as opposed to before they did the big sell-off they were talking about doing a television show right well like i'm an much hour more long excited with like showtime this. or hbo or whatever because that'll eventually happen as right. long as they don't do yeah. another star wars christmas special does anybody <laughs> remember that how uh, awful that was yeah no of course <laughs> come on life day man oh yeah absolutely <laughs> Oh, I think I own that. Oh, it's really... oh, we all have a copy of it somewhere that we're yeah. ashamed of. Uh, I remember. Seeing I don't know it if I'd want to admit it, but it's yeah. tremendous. <laughs> I remember watching it. I watched it at my grandpa's place, and I was I got really bored. And I said, "What does this have to do with Star Wars?" I just I didn't understand it. The I thought like the the ones that they had with uh, the Muppets, right, were so uh, much the, superior, oh, yeah. the so movies? much more fun. Um, I remember the Ewok movies. I was bored with those too. Right. I I just liked that they were uh, in the universe. Oh, are you talking about like the when they were on the Muppet Show? I but yeah, I'm talking oh, about yeah, the Muppet yeah, Show. Yeah, the Muppet oh, right. Show. Right. Yeah, when yeah, they yeah. I thought that was better than the actual Ewok TV series they yeah. were trying to come out with. Yeah. Yeah. I thought those animated parts were okay though in the Star Wars Christmas Special. I mean, it was the introduction of Boba Fett. Right. So oh. pretty cool. And then they had the. You know, the Star Wars cartoons. Yeah. Droids. Mm-hmm. Droids, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I didn't think droids was all that bad. Yeah. I mean, I remember liking it, but I was a kid, so I didn't, I mean, what did I know? <laughs> oh, when you're a kid, yeah. I mean, you don't think like we are now about right. who's the director, who's the producer, yeah, yeah. you know, who's doing what, and we just care, okay, is it any good? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I suppose we'll kind of we'll get into a wrap-up here. I'm going to ask, uh, so far what you have seen or uh, are kind of excited about as who is currently your running favorite new character in the Star Wars Force Awakens? Uh, Captain Phasma, easy. easy. Why is that? Because she is... Well, okay, so like... 
I love strong female characters. Oh yeah, I do in too. general. In yeah. fact, I even hate that term. Strong yeah, she's great female in characters. Game of like, I just like strong females. Uh, you know, just strong females at all, right? In in right. any female character that's awesome. I mean, Furiosa. You know, like absolutely. But I've loved this for a long time. You know, whenever I'm a I'm a big gamer. You know, which as as we know, I was uh, previously on a gaming episode of this uh, this this podcast. Um, you know, but uh, I'm a big gamer, and in every one where it give me the choice to play a male or a female, I always play a female i do too i do too i think i think guys we like to have that kind of alternate yeah yeah absolutely and i just like it i mean i just you know it it, for whatever reason i just think the idea of just a you know just a buck kicking female protagonist or antagonist is just awesome Mm -hmm. and so that's why i love seeing things like furiosa you know it's just like well i was immediately like okay boom so you give me this 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 female stormtrooper that has a chromed out and i love chrome so you know (laughs) so like you can be a chromed out female stormtrooper with a cape um and a big old silver gun like who doesn't like chrome it's like Ooh, look into the light. Oh, yeah. it's so shiny. <laughs> exactly. you know? That's my yeah. precious. Yeah. So the yeah. second I saw Phasma, I was like, yes, that the Chrome Trooper. And I didn't even know it was a woman at the time. Yeah. And now that I know it's Gwendolyn Christie, I mean, who it's is amazing. Yeah. Oh, Brian she's amazing. Tarth, Grandma yeah. Thrones. Yeah. I mean, she's great. Wonderful. So, yeah. So I don't know anything about her. She could be like a Boba Fett. She could be on, on screen for three minutes, you know, like, right. and, but, uh, you know, it, it reminds me of when I was a kid and, I would get like really into stuff before I knew anything about it, you know. Sure. Um, just because like that's how you did, right? It's, you know. It's kind of it's kind of like looking at that um, at the bounty hunter lineup in like some you know Starlog magazine, right? Right. You know, before the movie came out, going, I want to know every single one of those yeah. badasses up there. <laughs> totally. And for me, it's also been a helpful thing because like you know, in trying to direct my collecting impulses, right. it's a lot easier for me to rather than try to get everything Force Awakens, just, just collect focus. Phasma. Yeah. You know, I've got a few other things you know but i'm pretty much keeping it to just like first order kylo ren stuff but mostly it's phasma stuff mm-hmm. you know i've got like five or six different phasma or do you things. think it's the actual like stormtrooper because i've always been amazed how the stormtrooper has changed yeah through the movies mm-hmm. you know like when empire strikes back came yeah. out and they came out with the snow troopers yeah, i was like totally. oh wow you know yeah. yeah whole new look different look mm-hmm. and now they got the new first order yeah, stormtroopers, yeah, yeah. first order, you know, flamethrower, stormtrooper. Oh, that flamethrower is just awesome. Yeah, isn't it? The flame trooper really is cool red. Flame trooper, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, for me, definitely Phasma. And even no the question. new snow troopers in the yeah, they look Force awesome. Awakens looks. Yeah, yeah, they did amazing. a really nice job. But Mark? I, I would have to agree, Captain Phasma. Oh wow! But I don't know, Kylo Ren. Uh, I don't know. I've always been the Dark Lord <laughs> type thing. Right. Um, but surprisingly enough, as far as collecting items, like you said, you mm-hmm. know, you collect who you're going towards. I actually have a lot of BB-8 stuff. Me too. I'm starting to get more BB-8 stuff, honestly. Like, I've bought, like, four BB-8 things in, like, the last week, you know? Like, I got, like, this this notepad. It's, like, one of those little, like, uh, three-ring binder things that has, like, you know, a note paper in it. And it had BB-8 on it. It's like, I got to get it. Yeah, and I... I... I keep telling Ann anytime that we're uh, shopping at Target, they have a life-size BB-8 that when you walk by oh, it, motion, it just you know it makes its noise and it's beeps so and whistles. I tell her to steal it for me, and she won't do it. <laughs> oh, I'd love um, to steal one of those. But if it agree. if it ever does disappear, I mean, don't don't blame me. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't do something like that unless Definitely it was gifted to me. I'll just but, look on eBay, you know. Yeah. Uh, for me, for some reason, Ray always yeah. like jumped out at me and i think it's kind of uh you know i see her as like the the underdog i always liked the 
um, the hero's journey story. So for me, that that kind of encapsulated um, her for me. Uh, and then it wasn't. We went to Target. I think like maybe the day or two after um, Force Friday. And I really wasn't expecting. I just kind of wanted to see, you know, what was left over, the remnants. Right. Um, and they had the uh, the Ray uh, vehicle, the thing that looks uh-huh. like a, a, a sandwich bar. Right. Uh, the Lego. And I was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, you know what? I uh, and I was really into Lego at that time. I said, well, I'll pick that up and I'll put it together. And that same thing, like you guys said. Okay, this is the thing I'm going yeah, to get. I'm totally. even wearing my little ray button that yeah. I found today at, at Zia. And I don't uh, some and and then other things started growing in the collection of my ray is 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 getting bigger and it's like it's just it's kind of fun just to have like, you know, that and then just search for that stuff. Right. Because, you know, growing up, uh, my dad was an enabler. So, I mean, he would come home sometimes <laughs> and say, hey, I was at the store. And, you know, here's a bag of, you know, some some Star Wars guys. Right. I'm like, stop. Just <laughs> stop. Because now I need, now that I have this right. Darth Vader, yep. I need this other Darth yep. Vader. And I need to, you know, get it all in one collection. Yeah. So, uh, I think focusing at this point, because it's so oversaturated, uh is a bit more fun. It's kind of like, you know, having a favorite band and saying, you know what, I'm just, or even if it's uh, not necessarily a favorite band, but it's, it's something that you're just focusing on, on right. one thing and trying to get as much as you can, whether it's a rare recording yeah. or, you know, what have you, or if it's a movie and you're like, okay, I need every single steel book and whatever. Yeah. It's like blade, blade runner for me, yeah. you know, like I, I just moved and I set up in my house and I've got so much more wall space now than I had in my last apartment. I've set up all my Blade Runner posters, like mm-hmm. all together, you know, and I've got a lot. I've got a bunch of prints and I've got like the, this, the, the final cut and the director cut poster. I even have this band run the jewels, did a, um, a tour, uh, that was called the jewel runner tour that mm-hmm. they did like a, you know, a, a Blade Runner thing. So for me, that makes it easy. Right. So it's like, cause I'm into so many things, but if yeah. I'm just like, Hey, I'm going to collect Blade Runner, yeah. you know, that's what I'm going to go for. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah. I just had to say, you know, I had to stop. Yeah. Well, I think you can just get overwhelmed if you don't focus on one thing. Yeah. It's like well, and growing now that, up, I've collected so many things. Yeah, and, and now so that scattered that we're uh, you know adults and we we you know have our own paychecks right. and you know and we have our own responsibilities as well. It's 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 kind of a double edged sword because yeah. you would love to have everything, and but you, you can't. You, prob- you probably could right. if you really focused on that. But, but who you, even has the space for everything? I well, mean, yeah, that's that's the thing, that's the thing. Right? Yeah. too. Well, I know people who just have a storage space just to keep their yeah. their toys and their collectibles yeah. in. It's like I told you not to tell anybody. <laughs> you you can't really enjoy you can't enjoy it that right, way. I right. mean, just to buy something to buy something. Um, I mean, sure, it you know it might fill a hole for a you know a few moments, but. Uh, you gotta like take it out of the box, right. man. You gotta like you know display it, or if you, if you don't take it out of the box, find like a creative way to like Agreed. display it on the wall, yeah. you know? Because I the, think the box art it, and then too. also seeing on the internet some people, yeah, they've taken these Star Wars figures out of the packages, and it's they're building dioramas, yeah, yeah, with oh, yeah. these things, and some of them, I mean, these people are brilliant mm-hmm. and just got these creative minds of dioramas. Or, I used to, I used to do that as a kid. And it's like, that's what they're meant. Yeah, they're 
not for collectors. They're for kids. They're f- to know, play with. They're to you enjoy. You may as well open them because nothing's worth anything anymore. Right. right. I mean, really, it's not. Oh, yeah. now it could be worth, you know, you, you pay five bucks for it. and it, Or let's say you pay 50 bucks for mm-hmm. this item and, you know, a year or next. Oh, give you a perfect example. My Star Wars box that came yesterday uh-huh. came with two pop vinyl figures. Right. Came with Captain Phasma right, right. and came with the TIE Fighter. Right. Um, I just looked on eBay a couple days ago, mm-hmm. and those figures are selling up to $180 a piece. Right. Right, right now they are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But and then the once thing- the movie comes out, or a year from now, yeah, or right. let's say, okay, 2019, 2020, okay, mm-hmm. the rest of the Star Wars movies are done. Right. You know, everybody gets bored. Now all of a sudden... You can pick them up for and five the bargain, bucks. Exactly. Bargain bin, yeah. Because right. the way that I looked at it, and the way I I, I, I was having a conversation with someone is, I see those 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 pop vinyls. I, I love them. I mean, once you get one, then they just kind of multiply. I know. I hate, I yeah. hate that. It's it's the same the thing. Fast that I was the only one I bought, and I'm never going to buy another pop vinyl again. Good, yeah, good, yeah. You say yeah, that. Good now. luck. Yeah, yeah you yeah. say that now. That's what I, I was saying. I just don't like them. Like I think that I I don't like their big black eyes. I think they look dumb. That's that that's my thing. But so okay. that's the reason I like the Phasma one because she's wearing her hood, her right. mask, so it doesn't have the dumb black eyes. Um, <laughs> the yeah. dull eyes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they remind me of like the the Beanie Babies, right? The Thai right. Beanie Babies. Where people are like, "Oh, this is yeah. the the million dollar Beanie Baby," and Which you look you can up get one now for ten nothing. bucks, yeah. right? Right. You know, so I mean, strike when the iron is hot. Yeah. Sell now that you can sell them. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because I mean, really, who are you impressing by just having this stuff yeah. around, other than just appreciating it, which you you know you should. Yeah. The only reason I ever keep keep anything in this box is just because it's like it's actually more convenient to hang something on the wall like you have with your uh, re- reactions, for yeah. example. Well, and then the to art actually... too. The art is yeah, like really nice. Totally. You, you know, know but the, I, I think that um, you know blister packs make a really good wall decoration. Yeah. So for me, that's like the only reason I ever have something on its card still is mm-hmm. just because it's easier to display than to find a shelf somewhere for it. But, oh, yeah. you know, just, yeah, nothing's I mean, ever since, you know, we got inundated with collectibles in like the 90s, like nothing is worth anything anymore. Anymore. Right. I mean, it's really not. Unless it's like Legos. Legos are worth something. You yeah. know, if you keep their boxes and you have yeah. everything. Vinyl toys. But other than that. Yeah, you like, have your exceptions. But yeah. most of this stuff that'll say, yeah, like, like a, you know, collector's edition. Yeah. Really Darth Vader on a 12 back. You know, the original 12 figure back. Right. Um, I saw one on eBay the other day that was selling for like eighteen thousand dollars yeah like, but that and that was a completely different time right that's when everybody right. opened the packages yeah, exactly. and actually played with that stuff right. um and they're just becoming more scarce because there's just not very many out there yeah one thing that really just grinds my gears and mark you told me a story about you know losing uh, a, a very significant part of your collection i had a friend of mine who his dad when he was younger uh they would go to the toy store and they'd buy one figure he would buy a figure for himself and he'd buy one for his son so if it was two darth vaders and then he he kept a box of all the original star wars but i think in like maybe 1994 or 93 his dad sold it off to a toy store right and they gave him next to nothing because at that time Nobody was talking about Star Wars, yeah. and he just and that you know, and, and his son was you know he's already graduated high school. You know, we were already out of high school for a few years, so he was just cleaning house, and yeah. 
my friend Mark was so <laughs> angry that his dad didn't say, "Hey, do you want? Do you want? Right. You know, I kept all this stuff. Do you want it?" Right. Uh, I'm, trust me, I know how that feels. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But his dad's response to that, because I was there when he was telling uh-huh. the story, and he, he said, "You know what? I bought those. Those were mine." Right. Okay. Okay. Fine. But you don't have to be a dick about it. You know. I mean, it's it's all right. you know. It's a bridge over troubled waters. Yeah. You know, it's said and done. It's, it's hindsight is always twenty twenty. But uh, yeah, it's oh, it's man. about like where the market is. I mean, I actually I had somebody ask me recently. Um, you know, because they know I know stuff about collectibles and video games, and they said, you know, I've got a I've got a Nintendo Wii. I've got its original box. Mm-hmm. I've got like three Wii Motes. I've got like five games. Where can I get the most money for that? And I told him nowhere. Like everything you just told me there, you'll get, if you're lucky, $25 right. for right now. I was like, if you have the space, take that stuff, put it in a box. In about 15 to 20 years, <laughs> what's going to happen is that all the people who that was their childhood game machine are going to love it. They're going to start becoming nostalgic. And I found, and there, and you can get probably a couple hundred dollars and make everything you paid for it back. Right. Um, you know, and I mean, I, I, I discovered this recently myself because it kind of came surprising to me that um, Nintendo 64 is the hot thing right now, mm-hmm. um, which for me, I mean, oh, I was... Oh, GoldenEye, baby. Yeah, Golden I mean, Eye. I was in high school when Nintendo 64 came out, so that's not like my nostalgia machine my nostalgia machine is the original super nintendo or super nintendo mine's the original kind of. atari and yeah and television yeah, yeah totally mine. but but you know so I, I found out <laughs> that these things are worth a mint and i had a good collection of games so i went to the game on expo that they had recently i took five games there i made over two hundred dollars Oh, nice. You know, for five games. Sure. But it's because it's the right time. Yeah, it you is. You know? Yep. And so same thing with Star Wars things. Yep. Like, sure, there might be a time, but frankly, right now, that time is going to be Well, now. when I collected, one uh, collector that I met, um, biggest collection I've ever seen of just action figures, um, told me one thing that just helped her. He's like, you're never going to get back what you put into your collections right. unless you can find... Someone out there that's into the same thing you are. Yeah. Who's willing to pay that. Who's willing to pay that. Yeah. If you're going in it to make money, you're basically a dick. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> is what he told me. Right. But he, when I started collecting, um, you know, I was like, how do you know what's worth money and this and that, whatever. He said, if you want to be a true collector and the best collector you can be, collect something that you like. Right. That you right. enjoy. That you know, it's bringing back yeah, see, memories. Back to, well, even like your you know, what we were like saying said, before, yeah. All about the memories. Right. And, yeah, 100%. Because you're never, it's, yeah, you'd have to find someone out there that's going to be just like you and doesn't have your collection already and definitely right. wants it. Yeah, no, yeah, well stated. I mean, that brings it all the way back around again. Uh, is there any final thoughts that you have on The Force Awakens? Anything we didn't mention I can't wait. It's I mean, not it's here like fast right enough. around the corner, you know, uh, tonight. I'm going to have a great birthday, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, tonight we are watching uh, the Harmy de-specialized version yes. of A New Hope, which looks absolutely gorgeous, oh, sounds absolutely gorgeous. Oh, I can't wait. 
in about an hour and a half we're going to be doing that so yeah I, our, our night is yeah i haven't seen <laughs> I, I have not seen that since i can't remember when so right. i'm so excited to see that original version yeah. especially after watching the special editions so many so times, many times yeah. and just not realizing all the things that have changed about it um but yeah i mean about force awakens like look i mean this is the best time right like mm-hmm. this is the this is the time it's never going to get better than this right you know like it you know maybe the film is everything we hoped it would be and more you know and 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 i think it's going to be pretty darn good mm-hmm. you know i think again i think it'll be i think there'll be something that will be missing that we won't really see until we see episode eight and see what ryan johnson does with it and realize right. kind of where that that episode seven was a bit empty but with that said you know this is the time and, and to me this is what's worth it you know it's that um you know it's the it's the getting excited you know that this is why i love geek culture and mm-hmm. why i love fanboy culture because it's the anticipation you know you can you can sit there and get super excited about something to come out and it's rarely ever going to be everything you wanted it to be but the reason we do this is because we love loving things because we love getting excited about things oh yeah and well it's also our age group yeah we grew up on the original episodes but the interesting thing and is it's for not for them even... to bring back the original oh, yeah, actors yeah. and actresses characters into this new movie it like you said it's bringing it all the way back around again it's just so So it's making us feel like kids going oh please can we have more can we have more you know and you have all these other kids i mean that's what i think is really cool is because this is something that spans generations sort of like what they're doing with force awakens yeah 100 percent. and and that's something that i don't think is accidental you know i've got a really good friend who is like one of the people that um we went to go wait in line all day long in 1999 for phantom menace and he's coming back and he's bringing his three daughters and he's spreading that to them and then probably with the way that Disney's going to do this that they will someday take their kids to it and it's a generational thing and it's something that ties us all together you know and I think it's it's a wonderful thing you know it's a great great time to be a Star Wars fan you know well said and we're going to leave it on that does anybody have anything to plug you have a birthday coming up. Uh, everybody's invited yep, to uh, December, Mark's birthday. Yep, Bring December lots 18th. of presents and shower him with plenty of uh, Captain Phasma stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I Joshua, also I also have a birthday coming up. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. So uh, so if you're in the Phoenix area or the you know Mesa area uh, more specifically, uh, but on uh, Friday the fourth of December at Starfighters Arcade, we're doing an all night right. long arcade party dance party um, that uh, the uh, the owners have been gracious enough to keep it open as late as we want to keep it open. So oh, if the party's right. still wow. going until five in the morning, that's what it's going to be going, and I'm going to be uh, DJing some really fantastic dancing music and it uh, looks like we're going to have a good turnout um and uh, f- if you're over 21 we're even going to have a keg there so oh. um so yeah y- everybody is welcome so uh, come cool. on down to starfighters arcade cool uh as, awesome yeah as for me uh this is not officially a cult following podcast this is kind of just its own yeah, little yeah, separate yeah. one-shot entity so thank you guys for coming in absolutely um, but you can always listen to cult following at cultfollowing.co. you can find us on itunes you can find us this will be under the cult following kind of umbrella so it will be um on the same soundcloud uh, account just called yeah. something a little different haven't necessarily nailed it down until part i of start the cult you know, family yeah it's part of the cult family also make sure that uh you come on down to the pollock tempe cinema on saturday december 12th cult classics is showing Spaceballs. so we're gonna have t-shirts posters they're available for pre-sale along with the tickets at cult classics az 
www.thepodcastbooth.com. Uh, I work the merch booth there, so come on down and say hello. Um, get your tickets early. Looks like this one might sell out. Um, there may be tickets available at the door. If not, like I said, go to cultclassicsaz.com. Get them ahead of time. You can also find tickets at Zia Records Arizona locations. So jump on that. Come on down and say hello. Thank you, Mark. Thank, Thank you, you, Joshua. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been this a This is not really something I could have done with the other boys. I mean, I, I did discuss at length with uh, Victor and Kirby if this would be an okay thing. And right. they said, oh, yeah, do it. Go for it. Awesome. Because uh, they would just be deer in headlights. Right. Or just kind of fucking with me saying, I like Jar Jar Binks. So, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> It just would have been way too frustrating. I thought yeah. it'd be a lot of fun to have the two of you, which we always have oh, yeah. excellent conversations, you yeah. know, off air as well. well true love for Star Wars passion. here. So, so yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks again, guys. And uh, we'll see you when we see you. Yeah. Yep. May the force be with you. And Thank also you. with you. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try and do my best Kylo Ren impression that I can. Uh, regarding the music that was used for this podcast uh, for the uh, for the opening song was Star Wars and Other Galactic Funk by Mecco the outro music was from the best of organ stop pizza with Charlie Baylog <laughs> and it was a Star Wars melody <laughs>